Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Coach Brown called me in uh, late last week and uh, told me the news. Said to get ready and, and they were excited for me. Uh, talked to Coach Gruden and, and McAdoo and uh, you know I'm excited. I can't wait to get out there and get to just play football. Get to be out there with the guys and, and I'm real fired up. That is Jake Luton. He will be the starting quarterback Sunday for the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans. Texans got to be licking their chops. Good for the kid, though. It's what a cool moment, right? Uh, I guess the story, yeah, he called his mom, his grandmom, his, his brother, and nobody answered because it was West Coast time <laughs> whenever he found out. Yeah. And uh, it, good for him. You know, this is, this is what you dream about. And I think I think there's two things, right? You, If you're a player... You can't wait to get in there. You're like, listen, I can do this. I'm good. I know I am. I'm confident in my abilities. Yeah. There's also situations that are good to play in. And I just don't know if this is a good situation for Jake Luton to come in here and be successful. I mean, that's been kind of our conversation. You know, you got a defense that can't stop anybody. There's a lot of pressure on the offense to score. Offense hasn't even been clicking as of late. You're not very good. There's not a lot of good vibes going on. You haven't had a preseason, haven't even taken an NFL snap ever, and mm-hmm. you haven't even called the play since August in the huddle, according to Jay Gruden. Yeah. I don't look at that as a recipe of being a good situation to walk into for Jake Luton. But you know what? That's not how these guys are built. Like, hey, yeah. give it to me. Put it on me. Let's go. I'm going to go do well. Well, and let's be honest. Anytime you have a rookie six-round guy out of Oregon State that is being called upon to back up and now start a former six-round pick out of Washington State named Gardner Minshew, it's never going to be a perfect situation. All right? Like, that's just the way uh, – and that's just the shape of the NFL. So with that being said, circumstances – not ideal, obviously, like that, but it's a good opportunity for him. Like sometimes, like listen, sometimes I think when you are the guy and you get drafted and all this stuff, you put a lot of pressure on yourself. Now I'm not sure how much uh, pressure Luton has on himself right now. I'm not sure what kind of mindset he brings, but let's be honest, expectations from him right now, they're probably not that high. Now I'm not sure how the locker room feels about it, but I see how you feel about it, and I kind of share the same sentiments a little bit. So I think, like, listen, man, you got nothing to lose, and like he said, you play in the game of football. Go out there, let it fly, and let's see what you got. By the way, to go back to our game real quick, we've had one more player in the past two minutes uh, be added to a practice squad for the New England Patriots. That was a former Jaguar. Breaking news from Adam Schefter. Dante Moncrief. Oh, really? Yeah, practice squad, New England Patriots. Huh. Uh, you know, we said no. Uh, the trade deadline wasn't active. I think the COVID stuff has to play a role there, right? Of course. Uh, just getting guys in, and are you willing to do it? And what if you trade for a guy, and then he's got COVID, or he, it, you know, something happens and it hangs up, and you're not even able to use him for a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Is it worth it? Mm-hmm. I would think that's that's got to be a the trade deadline is not usually a crazy amount of moves anyway. Oh, yeah, but I gotta believe that's why we had less of them this year. Yeah, I think just because you do have the you know you have the large, larger rosters now with that practice squad thing, so teams are taking full advantage of that. Like like we talked about before, I think teams that are looking to make those trades are the teams that are looking to to make maybe a jump in the playoffs a little bit. And right now, the way the rosters are set, there's not a lot of teams I guess that are looking to get better. All right, we found a lot of players on the Jags All 31 team. Mm-hmm. Basically, this this exercise was how many guys are playing for other teams currently in the NFL, not that that have left in the past. I'm talking about currently in the NFL that the Jags could have, whether they signed them to deals, kept them and didn't trade them, figured it out, whatever it might be. And 
out of all the players, which we had plenty, right? Uh, probably had over 25 different players that we found mm-hmm. still in the league, which also is a win a little bit for the Jags in recent years. Shows you better talent because Gene Smith, if we had done this thing with Gene Smith, like in, in 11 and 12, Careful. Y- you might have been one of the few. Well, hey, there's a lot of guys doing radio, though, too, right, Brent? And we're doing a great job. Well, no, nah, you might have so been. No, hey, we're, we're, we're talking about the, the old guy. Then, then. I got you. Then. You, you, stuck, you went with Kansas City and uh, then Detroit and then Chicago. Daisy Kareem so was Shorts, a punt returner. For, for, for Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Sorry, I'm sorry. He's a kick returner. Um, D'Anthony Smith is in Seattle for Listen, a little while. Yeah, I know, but there's nothing. But I guarantee you there's more been, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and more Eugene like. Eugene Monroe. And obviously more like stud players pro yeah. bowl caliber players yeah and so that's what i just said as really the if you this exercise the uh, saskatchewan and montreal <laughs> rosters john chick shout out to john chick john chick yeah man chickamania who still lives here in town chickamania i wish that would have became a thing man chickamania that was joe collins big phrase for john chick. really chickamania <laughs> he always said it he's yeah. a good guy yeah uh so a rob jalen ramsey jan calais and maybe tayshawn gibson out of our entire list, unless I'm missing somebody, that I would say, you know, I, I get Alualu. I just don't think Alualu would still be here 12 years in. Mercedes Lewis, would he really add? Uh, you could make the case for those guys, but yeah. I'm talking from a talent standpoint who could still be contributing, who would make you better, who would make well, this, even yeah. if you're flipping things, you'd like to have them. Yeah. I only can come up with those guys. Well, and listen, and now, yeah, that would be an extended marriage, to say the least, to one player. That would be pretty crazy. But at the same time, if you had Tyson right now playing nose tackle or even three technique, yeah. this, it would make the team better. Sincere upgrade. Yeah, yeah it would be a big-time upgrade. Well, I if you like. look at uh, these are all outside of A-Rob. A-Rob's the only offensive player. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. The only offensive player still playing in the NFL that played for the Jags that you kind of say, hey, man, I wish we still had that guy. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, this is obviously a subjective thing. Maybe you would say you want somebody else, uh, but I don't think many people would. Even Fournette, who's probably the, the most productive guy on that list. Yeah. You know, maybe Mercedes uh, for leadership standpoint and run blocking. But really, A-Rob's the only offensive guy that you'd be like, man, I wish we still had him. Mm-hmm. And that would be nice even now, still going forward. Even if we're not very good, you got A Rob, you got DJ Chark, you got. Now, I don't know if you pick LaVisca Chanel if you have A Rob, you know, who knows? Uh, but most of this is on the defense. How much better would the defense be if they had Ramsey, Jan, Calais, and Gibson? Talking about two different levels of players. Jags like their linebackers right now. Mm-hmm. So obviously, Jan and Calais, yeah. big parts. Uh, and Ramsey would certainly make you better. Mm-hmm. And Gibson, I think, is a little bit questionable, but the the depth that they've had to run into this year certainly yeah. says a lot because they've played Wingard and they even had to put uh, Brandon Watson back there. Hey, but isn't it hard to put Gibson on the team after he said that the Bears' defense was better than the 2017 Jaguars' defense, though? Yeah, I think Gibson here was always going to be the guy that no, it wasn't good enough for him. Like, mm-hmm. the role wasn't good enough, you know? Yeah. Because, listen, did... Houston get a lot better with Tayshawn Gibson there when he went over? I don't really think so. Uh, is Chicago, is, does he a difference maker for Chicago? Probably not. Like, I don't know if he's that different than Jared Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's, yes, he's more flashy. He's made more plays. I'm just telling, he's also $10 million more expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe not any more $10 million, but I just don't know if it's that different. You know, it's interesting if you would do this kind of exercise of guys that are no longer are in the league, but Jags got good talent from. Like, a guy that comes to mind all the time is Aaron Colvin. Yeah. Colvin played excellent for the Jags. He goes over to Houston, gets his big deal to try to be a an outside guy. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Then he goes to Washington, 
Uh-uh. Same thing. I think mm. he's out of the league. I couldn't find him on a roster. Now, he might have opted out. I don't know if he's one of the opt-out guys. But he played terrific for the Jags. To your point. And by the way, the Jags filled that role pretty nicely with E.J. Hayden. Absolutely. You know, so it's – I just – I'm not defending anybody here in this organization. There's no more defending anybody in the organization. I'm just saying at times the Jags have done a decent job finding positions. They've done a pretty nice job finding receivers for the guys they let go. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They did a pretty good job of now piecing together an offensive line. Hey, you know what? Isn't half bad in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would take this offensive line. They they take a chance and get rid of Fournette, and they got a guy in James Robinson who's delivering. Mm-hmm. We'll see if he can continue to do it. It's the defense where they've really let go of some prime talent and haven't been able to fix that yet. Yeah. Uh, and who knows? That's where Henderson, Chase on. Devon Hamilton, guys like that. The second half of the year, next year, they got to start living up to. I'm not saying they have to be Jalen Ramsey. They have to be. They have to close the gap between what Ramsey and what it currently is. They have to close the gap between Calais Campbell and what it currently is. That's what they have to do. So the the biggest thing that they have to do, and I'm not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Is listen, the jury of these guys right now, it's still out because it's it's far too young into the season. We need a good two, maybe three years to really get a good deal of hey, were these guys great replacements or not? But what they have to do, their primary job now, and what they're being asked to do, not only from fans but also in that locker room, is C.J. Henderson has to go out there and he has to make us forget about Jalen Ramsey. He has to make us go, you know what, I don't care what Jalen Ramsey's doing in L.A. anymore because we have C.J. Henderson. Like, right now, we still have eyes for Jalen Ramsey. Like, right now, if the Rams are playing, like, what was, what's Jalen doing? Oh, there he is, another reception, another big hit. Like, we still have that right now for Jalen Ramsey. Same thing for Clarence Campbell. Now, with Devon Hamilton, it's a little different because I feel like, you know, he, he was taken a little later. And it's hard to say you're just going to come in and replace Clarence Campbell. I mean, how do you replace a guy of that stature, number one, but also that leadership and what he brought to you on the field as well? So I'm not saying Devon Hamilton has to be the next Clarence Campbell, but I'm just saying, you know, with him and then Chase on, you got to make us forget about these guys. You, you got to make us forget. Like, when Chase on gets a sack, hey, Ngakwe who? Never heard of him. Like, that's what you have to get to as a football player on this team. By the way, update on the politics. If you want a quick little update, we won't talk much about it. But apparently CBS News has projected Biden has won Michigan. So I would assume then Biden, if he gets Nevada, who I still think they're counting. And Arizona. He won't, he, they projected Arizona for him? No, I'm saying Nevada and Arizona. Oh, Nevada and Arizona are still, are still up in the air. Uh, but Wisconsin and Michigan, I think they, they've now projected uh, Biden. So I think I'm looking at Twitter. And again, if you follow... Both sides are like, yeah, we're still going to win. Although I, I think uh, Vice President, potentially, Harris, just tweeted like, hey, we won type of thing. So sure, I, I don't no. know. Who knows? Uh, who knows what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I'm going to need you to see the Carfax on that, everybody. Uh, I know. It's going to be really. see the Carfax. It's going to be really interesting uh, to see how this, this shakes out over the next few days and when a, a winner actually is um, – is going to be determined for real. How, how about, did you see Bovada and other betting lines? Oh, yeah, 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 did yeah. Did you yeah, see yeah. this? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I thought mm. people were pretty funny, right, about, like, there's like, this is like watching an Atlanta Falcons game. Yep. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, but, this- but, I mean, that was wild. It was like 
So who was it to start the day? I think like Trump was like plus one eighty five when we were doing our show yesterday. Plus one sixty five. Yeah, 165. I think he was plus one eighty five, and then Biden was minus two hundred going back the other way. Well, one time last night, one of the Bavada yeah. or somebody had him at minus seven hundred. Yeah. Minus seven hundred. Yeah. Well, and this, and then and then it dropped to like even. Yeah. And then today, I think it made Biden the favorite, like this morning. It was unbelievable. This, this goes to show you just the, the chaos, though, of betting and just going by word of mouth, right? Like, obviously, so let's say like you're a Trump supporter. Well, obviously, you follow Trump-supporting type news, and you follow Trump-supporting type of friends and things like that. True. So when everyone's going, oh, Trump's got it locked up, what are you going to do that? Oh, he's got it locked up? He's still an underdog? Let me go ahead and put a, you know, let's go ahead and put a mortgage payment down on Donald Trump real quick. Well, then... Many people did that, and what happened? All of a sudden, the odds started to shift towards Trump. So then, like, it just went back and forth, back and forth. It's, it's crazy that I, I guess it's it's nuts that people vote that kind of stuff, you know. Especially because let's be honest, to me, it's a coin flip. Like, I don't I mean if I'm watching the the results live, I don't know what to believe, man. But people obviously bet their money, and it is what it is. Is that always a thing? Like, do they give live odds, or is that just a new day? Because we have so much betting and, and gambling and stuff going on now that's legalized in so many places, Yeah, uh, that that's like a like oh, live, live lines. Live have we always had huge. that? Well, I'm no, not I mean, sure about in the political realm. Oh, in the political realm. I, that I'm like, not sure. Like, I don't remember that from the last election when, that it yeah. changed. But now we have so many different things and avenues to see it, yeah. uh, and now it's, it's not, like, taboo anymore. Yeah. And so it seemed like... That was the first time I'd ever seen, like, lines were changing by, like, the hour yeah. on who was going to Well, and, and that's a good point. And I feel like live betting has become a really big staple now in sports in general, though, too, right? Because, like, say you're watching a game. Um, I feel like, and I'm, I'm not a professional better by any means, but just what I've kind of heard and what I've read about is with, with live betting, like, live betting, it takes into account the analytics and the numbers, but while well, live betting, when they post the odds and take into account, is the game flow, is sometimes injuries, is things like that, right? So, like, for instance, I'm trying to make an easy example. So Navy. Navy runs the ball 24-7, right? Like, they, they live and die by the run. Let's yeah. say they're playing... Give me a give me a team, but I don't care. Uh, let's say they're playing Memphis. Okay. okay. So Memphis is a high-powered offense, right? So let's say Memphis goes up by 14 points. Right. Well, the live betting may not reflect the fact that, well, maybe how did they come back if they just run the ball? Right. Like Navy's not built to come back for the run. I feel like live betting doesn't really reflect that. It just reflects the analytics of all that. So that's why people are really big into live betting, just because if you're watching the game, it's like, oh, I can see where this is going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go from there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I don't know how you could interpret it yesterday, but I mean, people were. I watched Twitter, and I don't know if Facebook and others were like this, and yeah. I don't know if your conversations were like this with people. But when Bovada went the 700, like, it was over. Yeah. Like, I had people text, like, it was over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. And now it's actually the opposite way, but, right? I mean, it looks yeah. like Biden's going to win the election. Listen. I, I, I think, I, from what I'm seeing here. And to me, that seems like, you ever watch Black Mirror on Netflix? Maybe not. But it, no. it, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like the new version of Twilight Zone. Do, like, and I, and I saw this this morning. People were like, oh, minus 700 whatever, like, for Trump, like, game over. Like, it's crazy to me. It's absolutely baffling to me that people were relying on betting lines to say who the next president is going to be. Well, they don't because, trust a lot else. Well, I hear the you, polls, but, but who are you going to polling? Eat? I mean, but are you going to trust a guy who heard from somebody on a on a message board saying that Trump's going to win? That's going to put down a couple grand. Are you going to trust that guy, or what do you see on TV? I mean, maybe it's a horse apiece, right? And maybe it's fifty fifty. But I'm just saying, it was crazy to me that people that I saw like, oh. Minus 700, that's it. Like, why? Because people are like, 
this is not how the story goes, man. Yeah. You know, I just it, it's wild to me. Listen, we're sports people, right? Yeah. Us three. Stuart's over there. You know, you you were playing video games, but yeah, you're still paying attention to it. Obviously, we're, we've even talked about it a couple last couple of days on the show a little bit. It was a big it's a big election. I mean, I think every four years is big. I think we all like to say the latest and greatest thing is big. It's just the most important thing. Listen, we've done this for 200 and something years in our country. I, that's what I believe in. I, there's been good. There's been bad. There's been people believing and not believing. There's been all this stuff. And w- here we are. And we're still doing it 200 years later. Like yeah. that, that's kind of where I fall down on this thing. But. This was big, and obviously, I'm assuming the TV ratings were really good. Like I looked, at, I briefly looked at them, and they looked pretty strong. Yeah. There were no sporting events on last night. I don't yeah. know if that was intentional or not, but there was nothing. Yeah. Um, and I find my in the last two days, I've had an hour long conversation and like 40 minute long conversation with a couple of buddies that I I don't talk politics, man. Yeah. I don't do it. Like mm-hmm. we talk sports, but it is crazy. Like you find yourself having way more conversations. About politics with whether it's your your mom yep. or your wife or it's everywhere now it's like for me even with the kids yep it's been a wild time. What's interesting though is so I would assume everybody's up right like obviously vote more people voted than was this not the most is this the most votes ever? Have you heard that? I look for Weber yeah for the stuff you haven't heard that have you? No, I, I don't know either. I don't know if that's the case. I know it's up since last election cycle, sure. but uh, you find yourself talking about it. My question is. Will we ever talk about it again mm-hmm. to this degree? Like, do we carry the conversations forward? Or is this kind of like this once-in-a-lifetime discussion point, given Trump, given Biden, given the close nature of it, given the divide of the country? Like, over, we're not going to unite altogether, like, tomorrow yeah. or in three months. It's going to probably take a while. But this might be the most, we, like, I will ever talk about politics in my lifetime, I guess is my so, point. So, uh, I mean, this is just me throwing out something I have no experience with, with you know, analyzing the situation just kind of what i've been seeing kind of what i think with politics i think people are attracted to the charismatic um um and kind of the outlier if you will now we didn't get that with this election but we got people like the rock for instance like i I truly feel like if the rock would have ran i think you could have won like uh, I just think like he's he's that popular, he's that well spoken, he's that different where people would rally behind the rock. And I think that politics is becoming whether it's social media, wh- whatever it is, it's becoming an entertainment kind of era. And I think that if you're trying to win the entertainment kind of era as messed up as it sounds, it's like professional wrestling. And you need the mouthpiece, you need the look, you need the total package, not just someone who has a resume of, well, I've been in Washington for how long? Like, to me, the next generation of people don't really care about that. So to answer your question, do I think that it's going to go back to the old days? It's like, ah, we got two candidates, we'll see what happens. I don't think so. I think eventually we're going to see another swing, whether it's celebrities, whether it's maybe even athletes. I don't know, but it's going to be somebody where it's like, they're running for president, really? I think people are going to rally behind them. Yeah, it'll it's going to be interesting. I, I think I don't think I'll talk this much politics with my buddies or anybody again. Yeah, probably in retrospect more so. I, I don't plan on doing it on the show very often either. Yeah. I, just feel, I really feel like, listen, we haven't spent a ton of time talking, but every every few segments, it's like, hey, you got to remind people this is still this huge story going on. Sure. Right. And to me, it, it is. I understand some people are so invested, so hardcore in it and have different views of it and have real high emotions of it. 
but at the face value of like the last 24 hours, it feels like a sporting event. Yeah. I mean, it really does. Yeah. And I, it's it's bigger than that. I get it. Uh, but it does feel like it has the feel of one. You know, that's just, and I don't think I we'll mean, ever feel this again. Although 2000, 2000 felt a little more controversial. Yeah. Although this is going to turn into controversy, so I mean, maybe not. Man, you know what? We're traveling down this road right now, and we kind of got to go here with it. After the break, I want to hear from you, Brent Marneau. Any athlete right now, retired or still playing, that could eventually run for president? I thought about that. I couldn't come up with something Nobody, easy. Nobody, huh? You know? But maybe I'll, I'll shed some light on it. But yeah. I also got to go the most dangerous player on the field in the Georgia-Florida game this weekend. Like Who's it going to be? We talk sports here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. But we could really take this show off the rails if we wanted to go all like half politics, half sports. Austin Lane. I mean, have you been on Twitter lately? Do you, would you want a hundred thousand extra hundred thousand dollars? Do you want a scholarship? Let's go politics. <laughs> when we get back here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN six ninety. It's one of the largest men games in the country, and I, I can't wait to play in it. I have good friends and family on both sides of the rivalry. I've got a family who's Florida fans and Georgia fans, so it'll be really cool to play. Hopefully we can get the victory for the uh, Florida fans and then also to kind of rub it into the faces of the uh, Georgia fans, you know? Hey, you rub it in the faces. Listen. If you're going to go to Florida like Nick Elksness is, a tight end from Episcopal School of Jacksonville, you better be talking like that. Stuart Weber caught up with Nick for our pregame show coming up at 7 o'clock on Friday on CBS 47. It's an hour long. Countdown to kickoff to the big game. You can see it on 3.30 on Saturday afternoon, of course, from Jacksonville. But if you're not going with a limited crowd, you can watch it from your living room, man cave, garage, patio, wherever. Uh, on CBS 47, we'll have postgame show as well. Quick thought, though. Elksness, he was a Penn State guy, decommitted, goes to Florida. He's got to like look. I mean, the I think of a kid like that. And we've got a few of them. Burke, uh, the big offensive lineman up in Camden County. You look at this game, and now you're like, oh, I'm going to be in that game next year. Must be kind of fun for those guys. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and like you said, I mean, so many of the kids who are here in Jacksonville, they've they've been watching the game, experiencing it maybe throughout their entire lives, and friends and family on on either side, which is really cool. And that's what Nick was kind of alluding to. Which, by the way, you can check out that full conversation you can already see it it's on our uh, social media pages including the espn 690 on action sports jacks youtube page yeah just there search it is. action sports jacks and, and we gotta keep out. we gotta keep pushing the action sports jacks on espn 690 youtube page we love our youtube guys growing and gals it's growing though yeah it you, is. you see you see those numbers i know the numbers Big are good. numbers but Big we gotta numbers. keep pushing it out there tell them to jump in on that we yeah. post not the just friday on night blitz on there every week friday as well. night blitz and every other, show you know, three to six like putting up there i'm three observations on there three observations and every once in a while a wrestler comes along and wants to chat with me and uh, so. in terms of uh, equal representation, by the way, I am catching up with Micah Morris, the big offensive tackle from Camden County. He's a big uh, dude. Chatting with him tomorrow. So that will also appear in that pregame story, as you were mentioning. I saw it because we did one of the ESPN 690 Game of the Week last year up there and saw it. He is a big young man. Um, why? Did, how does Georgia get these linemen? Like, all the time. 
It's, it's like South Wisconsin up in here. It is. Yeah. Like, it's like unbelievable. They get all these. Kirby can really recruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get a ton of players. I still wonder, is the gap close? It's definitely closer. Has it closed enough for Florida to win this game? I feel like they've got more momentum. I think there's better odds in their favor on a lot of different things on Saturday, yet they're still the underdog. And depth-wise, and depending on who gets hurt for in this game, or uh, maybe just overall four or five-star guys, maybe Georgia still has the horses or the dogs to get it done. <laughs> you know, maybe that is the case. I don't know. I, I feel like the gap is certainly closed. Mullen has done a great job of closing that gap, but there's one more step to take. And... This, I believe, is a great year to get them. Your offense is playing lights out. Your quarterback, you have a huge advantage, it appears. Their offense is eh, just okay. Their defense is beat up going into this game. You've got all the hysteria and motive, momentum from the fight against Missouri. You can play the card of nobody likes our coach. They're all mad at our coach. And, you know, we're the underdog. I mean, you got all that from Mullen. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, this, this game, all the pressure is on Dan Mullen. I mean, it is squarely on Dan Mullen. So it, it'll be interesting. You know, these rivalry games are funny. Mm-hmm. And until you beat them, this one has been very streaky over the years to begin with. And until you beat them, that streak plays with your head. And this isn't like some crazy streak for Georgia, but it's still a streak nonetheless. They've had the upper hand. And I think they have the mental edge because of that going into this one on Saturday. Yeah, without a doubt. Um like I talked about yesterday a little bit, it really comes down to you got two teams right now that I feel like their momentum is peaking. So you're getting, I think you're going to be the best Florida Gators team. You're getting the best Georgia Bulldogs team. And you're going to mix that, um, and you're going to circle that up in one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football. So now it's going to feel a little different because the crowd and everything like that, there's no tailgating, all that good stuff. So it takes away a little bit, but it's still a big deal. So I'm excited for it. All right. Who's the most dangerous player on the football field in this game? And I know Florida has a couple of, of big, I think the most likely choices. Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Because they have, we think dangerous player. We think offense. To be honest with you, Georgia just lost maybe their most dangerous player. And Richard LeCount might be their best defensive player. Mm-hmm. You know, and he had the motorcycle accident. Yeah. And that's going to hurt them. Yeah. Uh, and thankfully, he's what looks to be okay and is going to recover. But that's not going to help him on Saturday. Yeah. And so you could make the case on this really good defense. He was their best guy. He might be the most dangerous player for the Florida Gators to disrupt some of the things that they have going on offensively. But when you think dangerous, you think offense. Got to. I think Kyle Trask has to be in the conversation. Sure. I think Kyle Pitts is certainly in the conversation. And I don't think this is just a, hey, did you watch the Missouri game? But I want to remind you, did you watch the Missouri game? <laughs> but if you've watched number one play all year long, Kadarius Tony for Florida has been sensational. Mm-hmm. Who are you most afraid of as a defensive player from that Florida offensive point of view? You asking me first? Yep. I'm taking Kyle Pitts. I'm taking Kyle Pitts because in terms of mismatch, in terms of red zone, um, and make no mistake about it, this Georgia defense might have lost a little bit, but they're still one of the best defense, if not the best defense in the country. Um, it's cool to be a great defense, but you have to ask yourself, do you have the guys that can take on Pitts? Now, maybe you double-team him. Maybe you got to do all that stuff. But I'm just saying, to me, Kyle Pitts is a mismatch, no matter who you put on him. And when you have a mismatch, you have to get them the ball. I don't care what the circumstances are. you got to find a way to 
to get that guy the ball. I think when he has the ball in his hands, good things can happen. So give me Kyle Pitts. All right, Weber. I don't know if you have a moment over there, but uh, what do you think? Uh, Trask obviously fits the bill. He set a record, right? Here's the thing about Trask. It's you, you set a record. It's hard to add to the record. Mm-hmm. Like, he's due to not throw for four touchdowns in a game, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what the, the trend would say, sure. even though he's been on fire, especially against a very good defense. But I think you have to, at least for now, include him in this dangerous category. You got the three picks. Who are you taking? I'm going to take Kadarius Tony as the most dangerous player. And here's why. If you look back at Percy Harvin's final game against Georgia, touchdown rushing, touchdown receiving. And we make so many comparisons, so many parallels between the two players. They both wear number one. Mm-hmm. They both kind of fill that game-breaker role. If you're Georgia, you have to be afraid that he might have one of those games where he accounts for a few touchdowns and is the difference maker in this matchup. You know what's interesting? What I see in Tony, okay, and like – I don't always watch every snap of the Gators. Like I'm not locked in, record it, watch it again. Uh, not that I know a lot of people are because of the fans they are of it. Mm-hmm. But the thing that jumps out to me at Tony, which now actually makes me think a little bit more of Percy Harvin. See, Percy Harvin's a super athlete, quick guy. But you know what else about him? He's thick. He's can be physical. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, and I have no idea the jump from last year to this year, but it feels like he's added like 20 pounds of muscle. In my in in my view, right? I just feel like he's not like this quick guy that's going to escape you. Now he might be able to break the tackles and then hit the gear quick, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what Percy Harvin was so good at. He could break a tackle and then go zero to sixty in like a step. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what you're starting to see with Kadarius Tony. And and I, I said this yesterday on the show, Weber. I don't know if this is more his growth or if it's. That Dan Mullen and company have finally figured out how to use him. Yeah, I mean, if you if you just kind of look at the numbers and look at the game logs from from past years, I mean, they're finally getting him those targets that yeah. he needs in order to be successful. I mean, he scored a touchdown every single game this year for the Gators. So, yes, keep getting him the ball, no doubt. And by the way, you mentioned a little weight gain. Uh, shout out to Nick Savage and the strength and conditioning staff for that. Yeah, the Savage is. Um is, is somebody who has got a lot of credit since Mullen has been there. Um, I, I think it's – I, I kind of joke about it, and I have joked about it for a few years, that these guys, these strength and conditioning coaches get more credit than ever before. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to take that away from it. It's just amazing how much – when a new program comes along, a new program exists in college, and they start getting on the rise where you say, hey, why has Miami been bad, mm-hmm. right? Or, hey, how will Florida State turn it around on the offensive line? And they're going to be like, well, we got to get the right strength coach in here, the strength coach in here. Strength. It's amazing how important the strength coach is, and Florida found one. They, they, Savage has been tremendous for them. They all applaud him more than maybe they even applaud Dan Mullen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's wild that. Like, I think a lot of that has ra- to do. It's with like getting in the weight room is a thing. I mean, a lot on, of it like, has to do with disparity, you know, from yeah. the, the previous regime under McIlwain. Yeah. It, it was so de-emphasized during that time, which is crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's just crazy. It's just it's a different Maybe culture, different kind of attitude. You know, just a different kind of vibe. Sometimes a strength coach can bring. Well, and this is a game where it shows up. Right, these are the games that it shows up. The rivalry games, the, the mental toughness side of that, the physical. Hey, mm-hmm. can you push me, push them around a little bit? Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to do a little bit against Georgia. Uh, obviously, Georgia doesn't. I don't think Georgia has the weaponry like like Florida does. Mm-hmm. But you got to keep a guy like the George Pickens. You know, they've got players. 
I just don't know if they've got the quarterback that's going to light anybody up and give it to and and make somebody dangerous. Yes. In so, that respect. But listen, the, the question is the most dangerous player on each one of these offenses. And he may not be the most dangerous player, but he's the most important player. So that makes him dangerous. And also his nickname is Zeus. So, I mean, what more do you want from me? I'm taking Zamir White all day. Because one of two things are going to happen in this Florida-Georgia game. If you watch the Florida-Missouri game, Florida did a great job of stopping the Missouri run. Okay? So they have confidence right now. If you go back and watch the Georgia-Kentucky game, while it was low scoring, while quote-unquote Kentucky may have held, like, you know, held up a little bit, um, Georgia dominated that game with the run game. Okay, So one of two things that has to happen, Georgia's going to come in, try to run the ball, and get stuffed, and that's going to kill their momentum, or a confident defensive line for the Florida Gators is going to say, hey, we can stop the run, no problem. Zamir White runs down their throat, and all of a sudden you have some issues. So to me, if you can run the ball with White, you have a really good chance of winning this ball game. So go ahead and give me Zamir White um, as the most dangerous player on the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, and I, uh, by the way, uh, Pickens didn't play, I don't believe last week, he didn't play last week. Kirby Smart says he thinks Pickens will be available. Also, Jordan Davis could be available or should be or hopeful that they can be available uh, for Saturday's game. That will make a big difference for that Georgia offense. Uh, I think Pickens can be a special player. Obviously, uh, Jordan Davis on that uh, defensive side, which a defensive side that's already been beat up by injuries, too. How much will injuries catch up? But again, when you talk about... The Jimmys and Joes, Kirby Smart's done a great job of getting it. might be some guys on that depth chart you just don't know much about, but they're going to play really well. Uh, but this is a good, good defense when healthy. We'll see how it uh, does stopping the Florida Gators on a Saturday here in Jacksonville, Florida. You brought up uh, who would make a good uh, politician. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not not from Florida, Georgia game. But Chris Conley? Conley's interesting. Uh, Brock the Rock says Anthony Gonzalez could be the best president from the NFL who played for the Colts and is a current congressman in Ohio. Oh, enough said. There you go. Good call. I'll give you a current one as well. Uh, a one Glenn Jacobs. You may know him as Kane. Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say, all right, go on. Go on. the mayor of well, uh, and Knox County. Jesse the Body Ventura used to be uh, governor, governor of Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. yeah, obviously Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger but yeah. it's obviously Steve Largent. Well, Schwarzenegger yeah. can't be president. So. Um, Steve, That's right. Steve Largent's won. Tommy Tuberville just won. Just won it. Uh, in Alabama. What's that? I was saying Schwarzenegger and me both. We can't be president. Can't be president. You got to be born oh, by in the, the way, You got to be born in the States. Shout out to John R. Barnes yesterday. He messaged me. He won. Said, Got the job thanks, done. Thanks for the shout out. We did it, buddy. <laughs> we me. did it. I listen, John. It's awesome. I, you know what? John actually reached out to me and said, hey, we won. Yeah. I was like, we're going to get you out on the show. Got to, man. We got to really we do. deep dive yeah. into this soil yeah. and conservation. I, I, mean, I almost felt bad that he messaged me. I'm like, dude, I was a lot of satire yesterday. I wasn't doing you any favors, probably. I was probably like, doing you a disservice, but hey, props to winning, he man. He got the W. That's awesome. Good for him. Get the Endorsed by Austin Lane. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah, I, well, I endorse. I say it again, my endorsement. Who endorses bees for us? Yes, you better believe it. A honeybee. Yeah. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Put a bow on a Wednesday. They're in Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Do you think the offense might lean a little bit heavier on you this week? No, I mean, the game, the game plan is whatever the coaches want it to be. So, I mean, I feel like it's still kind of balanced, so we'll see. That is James Robinson. Man of many words. But a lot of yards. Yeah. The silent assassin. 
Heath Schuler, by the way, politician. Thanks, Matt Stern, Mr. Pico Boulevard. You're right about that. Uh-huh. Listen, we're missing some, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James Robinson, to me, it, there's nobody I'm more excited to watch the last nine games than James Robinson. He's still, like, the most exciting guy to watch. Even more than Visca, just because the, the Visca probably goes down a little bit now, just because of well, the situation. The bottom line is, even if they, like, I have a, I, I say the Jaguars should give it to LaVisca Chanel over five times a game. So yeah. if they do that, okay, say they give him to him seven or eight times. Mm-hmm. Well, James Robinson's going to get it around 20 times. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that. Yeah. You know, I still don't know when LaVisca's going to get the ball. So. While I'm excited to see LaVisca, and I wish they – I'm only excited to see LaVisca when they use him to his full capability. Mm-hmm. I'm usually disappointed because they don't use him to his full capability the last month, nope. in my estimation. I think I'm going to see the full capability of James Robinson just in the natural flow of the game. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, defensively, i got to keep a closer eye. I, really, C.J. Henderson and Caleb on Jason have to start showing up. Sure. They, they have to show me something. that get Are me you excited. looking for Josh Allen, too? Nah, because listen, Josh Allen could have a he could have a not so great productive year this year, okay. and I still think he's a really good player. I, I sometimes it happens. Uh, the other guys had left. You got a bunch of young guys. You got banged up a little bit. I still think he's been close on some plays. I think he actually played pretty well last week from folks I asked. Yeah, I I'm not worried about him. He's a good piece, and every team would sign up to take Josh Allen right now. Mm-hmm. That's not the case with a lot of these other guys. Yeah. I need that to be the case with a lot of these other guys by the end of the year. So I just want to see some flashes. I, I want to see a game. You know, C.J. Henderson's not going to play nine games like he did the first game, but I wouldn't mind seeing like three or four games like he did the first game, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. if I take some lumps along the way, because that's okay. But show me that at the end of the year, you got four, five, six games like, whoa, now. If you just got to find more consistency. Because I do believe there are some things that are cliches in sports. And this might be a cliche, but I also think this is pretty true that the the young guys are going to be inconsistent. Yeah. Like, Juwan Taylor was good last year a lot, but he also had 15 penalties, you know. But I noticed that he was still good. Like I, the 15 penalties bothered me, but it wasn't like oh, this is a bust. So that's my point with some of these guys. I mean, we're going to remember Caleb on Chase on is slow to get going in his NFL career. But if he starts coming on a little bit, flashes a little bit, we're also going to remember that and give him some rope to to say, okay, that's who he can be. For sure. I'm also watching Devon Hamilton, man. I have to watch Devon Hamilton yeah. because he showed us something there in that Chargers game. I mean, heck, we broke him down, right? We broke him down on the wall that says it all. That means something. And it was a positive breakdown. It wasn't a negative one. Like, it's been kind of the theme this year, it seems like. So I'm watching Devon Hamilton as well a little bit. Uh, I want to see, was it a flash-in-the-pan type of game, or can he build off that now uh, and kind of show he's making progress? Did yesterday, was yesterday the Jimmy Garoppolo was out for the season? Or is that new today? Because I thought he was out for a bit with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, I thought he was on IR. I didn't know he was out for the season. But Schefter just said, with Jimmy G out for the season, 49ers could use another QB, and he's got like a quote from um, uh, Joe Montana, so he's trying to be funny, obviously. Yeah. But is that new? I didn't know he was out for the season. Yeah, I, I think I it's just that. kind of assumed. Because of the high ankle sprain? With with nine games to go, a high ankle sprain is going to keep you out that long? Maybe just kind of where the season's going for them. But they're four and three, I right? know, but Kittle's out oh, now for maybe the four. season. Yeah. Kittle's out as well. Um, I guess we're getting to that point where if you're out six, seven, eight COVID. weeks, I mean, you're almost that you're out. Yeah. Well, it begs the question, too, if there's going to be a Thursday night game or when that's going to be because um, 
uh, Kendrick Bourne got COVID nineteen. So now you gotta ask the question: Do you delay that game? Now the word is that they are going. They're still trying to play it. Good. Right. Uh, there's no. There's no word yet that they've canceled it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just say that. Um, so we'll see if they're able to do that. Uh, Live Local Loud coming up next here on ESPN 690. Once again, reminder to vote for our ESPN 690 Athlete of the Week. You can do that uh, through Friday evening, through the show on Friday, and then we'll have uh, the results on the Blitz Scoreboard show at uh, 9 o'clock right here on ESPN 690 and all the social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and we show you late games and and uh, live games. So you want to check out the video platforms if you can. But we give you score updates along the way and tell some stories of the high school football season, which this week, uh, Stuart Weber, the playoffs begin. And uh, we have some people playing a regular season game, some people playing uh, the postseason, and it all starts tomorrow night. We've got Georgia-Florida week, which means there are usually a lot of games in Duval County. There have been some that normally would be played on Thursday, and because of the lack of crowds downtown this year due to the pandemic, they're actually playing those games on Friday. Mandarin Fletcher comes to mind uh, for that. But uh, we got two full days of high school football coming up the next two nights. Yeah, we got a nice little solid slate here on a, a Thursday night football edition. You know, so even if they don't have the NFL game, we've got, I think, five locally, five games taking place locally, including uh, Bartram Trail at Reigns and Trinity Christian at Rebolt. So uh, two, two doozies right off the bat right there for Thursday nighters. Those are regular season games. You also got some playoff games. Ed White at Bishop Kenny. And Westside at Uli are a couple of those that we'll keep an eye on. And then, shoot, once we get into Friday, we, we've got more playoff games to keep an eye on and uh, a few non-playoff games, which will be pretty cool. It's always fun at this point in the year to see if the undefeated teams can stay undefeated. So 7-0 and Clay going to 5-3 and Oakleaf is certainly an intriguing one for me. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to uh, see what's... You know, how it all shakes out. This is a weird season, no doubt. Okay, I'm going to steal this from the guys at Live Local Loud and, and uh, Nikki Football. Okay. Because I tweeted about the election, like something like it's, I can't believe how close it's a, a roller coaster watching all these people that are hardcore into it. You can see both sides. And, yep. and so he had a great tweet. He's like, which sporting event did you most ride that emotional roller coaster on that you can remember? Ooh. And uh, Ooh. he'll probably talk more about it. Yeah, but it's going to steal got, from him though, yeah, right before he's coming it. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm kind of teasing his show. This is a good tease. Gotcha. So I'm giving yeah, him props. Yeah. We only got like 90 Let's seconds. Let's give a little appetizer. Go on for the main course later on Live Local Loud. Well, what um, do you got? I mean, do you know? Because like, this is kind of a spur of the moment. Okay, let's hear it. Uh, I think for me, now when I was a kid, I remember watching the 86 Billy Buckner. And if you yeah. go through that whole postseason, that wouldn't have been a single game for me. But if you go through the whole postseason, that had, like, Dave Henderson hit the three-run home run uh, to beat the Angels. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then later on had the Buckner yeah. play. So, and by the way, the Red Sox were in the lead in game seven and still blew that one, too. Yeah. So that kind of comes about. But more Recently, I would say 2003 ALC. I'm sorry, 2004 ALCS. Yankees up three nothing. Red Sox come back. All right, I'm going to go with since it's Texans week. I'm going with the Jaguars hail mary against oh, the Houston Texans. You that one. I just remember that game because I was getting my doors blown off me in terms of Arian Foster hitting uh, my edge every single time, and I wasn't defending it. After the game, Jack Del Rio said they may call Austin Lane the, the house of pain, but he's, he's caused me a lot of pain right now. <laughs> so true story, actually. So I remember when I was playing that game, like man, I'm going to get chewed out in the meetings and all of a sudden michael thomas out of nowhere game-winning hail mary my meeting went a little better live local out up next have a good night everybody